Hi, folks, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Duder. And, and we I'm have Baruch. a guest. Yeah, and no, today shut we, up. We're going to introduce... Yeah, today we are joined by Baruch, who we have talked about many times, and we finally gotten around to, you know, inviting on so he can defend himself. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically the reason why we're... So this is kind of our year-end review and catching up with the news in December. Yeah, because I've, had, I've had a little bit of a crazy... I've, yeah, I've been a, I've had a crazy month of traveling and child and holidays, and I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. Uh, yeah, so I've been just, I've been slacking like a motherfucker. I've been slacking yeah, like crazy. Yeah, and I've been playing Star Trek Online all day. Yeah, so let's start with uh, kind of our, our catching up on the on the stuff, and then we'll get into the the year in review. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. What are we starting with? I'm talking about the, the the big news in the last yeah. couple of weeks. We might we might as well get the the elephant in the room. We've been, yeah, we've been covering this. See, this is what we do on this podcast: is we follow through on stories. Well, see, if we don't cover the elephant in the room, it's gonna fucking eat us, and then yeah. you know, turn it into fucking merchandise or something. Yeah, have like a streaming service plugged directly into the back of your head. Right. So obviously, so you even know obviously, the big story the last uh, week has been Disney's acquisition of a significant portion of 21st century. Fox, as predicted Huge. by The Simpsons. Yeah, did you see that? Like back in 1998, they saw that coming. Oh, that was weird. I mean, it's weird, but it's not. I know they seem to get that right. It's ah, it's amazing. It really is amazing. So yeah, I mean, this is this is a big deal for a number of reasons. Some of them good, some of them bad. Mm-hmm. The obvious, the good. The good one is that the overwhelming majority of Marvel licenses that were not with Marvel are now coming home. Mm-hmm. So that means the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and a lot of their associated side characters and villains will all be now part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Although there's a little bit more to the, the Fantastic Four licenses. I guess they're co-owned by another production company. I think it's Sony. No, that's... It's um, not Sony? No, it's some, it's some podunk, real small oh, really? one. Like someone got to them before anyone else did? Basically, and okay. uh, and they were basically distributing them through Fox. Oh, so okay. now they're distributing them through Disney. So basically what I see happening is Disney saying, we're not going to distribute shit until you give us... So give us the license back and we'll give you some money. Right, that um, makes sense. Yeah. So this kind of occurred... Thursday, um, on the 14th, I'm looking at the CNBC, uh, article, Disney on Thursday announced the deal to acquire many parts of 21st Century Fox for $52.4 billion in stock. The company will get Fox's movie studios, networks, Nat Geo and FX, Asian pay TV operator Star TV, and stakes in Sky, which is like a British tabloid news thing. It's it's effectively the British equivalent of Fox News. Yeah, and also like their New York Post because they have a newspaper version. They also as mean, well. Oh, go ahead. Oh, they also um and Demo Shine Group and Hulu as well as regional sports networks. Which I at first when we were first reporting this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I remember that I thought Fox was going to keep sports separate entirely, but I guess they've decided to lump a little bit of that in later on because I so, really thought that Fox was going to keep. I'm sure they're going to keep FS1 and Fox Sports, but I thought they're also going to hold their their local stuff. That surprised me. Yeah, I don't know about the local stuff. I know they were holding they're holding Fox Sports and FS1, and they're holding their news. Basically, Rupert Murdoch has has got, come out and said that he's changing kind of what Fox is doing from and focusing on television you have to watch live. Right. So the news and sports and that anything else that you can watch 
later is what he's basically sold off to Disney, which really fits Disney's model pretty well. In mm-hmm. addition, Disney now has a 60% stake in Hulu. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that Disney's getting ready to launch its own streaming service, right. I'm, cu- I'm gonna... curious to see if there's going to be some overlap with with Hulu, if, or maybe they're just going to turn Hulu into that platform. Could very well be the case. Um, Disney announced plans in August for the standalone streaming services and, and to pull its movies off Netflix starting in 2019. Uh, but here's what's interesting. Disney said its content service will have a smaller library than Netflix. Still, it has some fan favorites titles, including its animated features, Marvel and Star Wars films, adding Fox's repertoire of content, which includes the X-Men, Alien, and Predator franchise, in addition to shows like The Simpsons, Family Guy, and The X-Files. Uh, scrolling down, as a couple industry insiders pointed out, uh, Netflix already had, you know, dominates a good chunk of the market, so Disney has a bit of an uphill battle to go, and I uh, forgot who they were quoting here, but basically Netflix's plan to start their own in-house d- development was really smart of them trying to find oh yeah Uh, Oh, yeah. The more desirable content they have, the better they will be able to compete in terms of trying to sell subscription offerings at the time. There's so much competition for subscription based services, end quote, said market senior uh, e-marketer, senior analyst Paul Verna. Uh, Well, I mean, you figure there's a lot of content that just overlaps Netflix, Amazon Prime and Hulu. mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, there is like Star Trek, uh, any of the Star Trek series. I have, I think, four streaming services right now that offer them like I that I subscribe to. So, you know, at that point, it doesn't matter. It's the uh, provider-specific content that really matters. Yeah. So, Baruch, you're a big comic book fan guy. Yes, We've I been am. following this for a while. How do you how do you feel about Big Mouse acquiring Fox? Because remember, Big Mouse is watching. Yeah, Big... Yeah, okay, so uh, truth be told, I'm honestly terrified of the fact that all of the big major comic book movies are coming straight from Disney. That's just something I do not like, uh, because I particularly don't like most of the Disney films out right now. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't appeal to me. And the thing about comic books that would always appeal to me about them is you know the greediness yeah i can't even talk the gritty sometimes gory ugly look of a lot of comic books really appeals to me but i feel as if they're just going to try to make them all soft because like i i had a lot of expectations for uh what's the film um age of ultron i was towards like you know the ending of the third act i was like oh my god this whole everyone's gonna die we're gonna watch a huge we're gonna watch a huge divide but what ends up happening is everyone gets saved i was like no i didn't i didn't really appreciate that i so well, I, you know what's interesting about that point is, and we've talked about it on the show, is that Fox took a very obvious tonal change, uh, t- took a tonal d- uh, change direction from Disney with Logan, Deadpool, and even what the couple of the television shows uh, and some of and some of the films that are coming out next, like New Mutants. Right, that was well, it. I'm, I was trying I'm to excited for New Mutants. New Mutants. So looks so good. What I'm curious about, we'll, we'll be curious to see, is is one on one hand they'll like turn around and basically. Uh, uh, nerf the dark direction that Fox was at least uh, starting to go? Or are they going to really experiment with tonal changes and tonal directions in, in the franchise? I'd be really, really interested to see in the next five years what, what happens. Yeah, I think at least initially they're going to stick with what's already coming out. And, and, sure, and, of course. And Iger has said about as much. Mm-hmm. That, that they're certainly open to like rated R superhero films but we'll see once the ones that are already in production are are out mm-hmm. if they if they move forward on, on other ones you know, the other issue here is that kind of like what Baruch alluded to you know you basically have more and more of 
what are what were already mega um film production studios being gobbled up by disney Mm -hmm. and it's just less and less and less uh difference out there you know it's all coming from one all the content's coming from one person and i think right i I think they're the ones who i think in the end the fans are the ones who are going to hurt from that right that's really what i was getting at is it's uh, I mean, I think I even said it earlier. Uh, you, uh, you were uh, you were saying like, oh, uh, it's been a hard year for fans. It's it's always been a hard year for fans. It's always <laughs> been hard for comic book fans and nerd fans. You know, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of like any like b- before the big boom of like nerd shit being everywhere. It was just like Superman, Batman, X Men. Like those are the only ones people had talked about. And then Star Wars. Everyone's talking about this stuff now. Mm-hmm. Which oh, it's, er- it's absolutely but, shifted the zeitgeist of the popular culture. But the thing is, yes. it, it, it shifted the zeitgeist, but at the same time, everyone's talking about it more or less in the terms of the intellectual property and what it's worth. Correct. Like, but, like it, it's, also, it's become a commodity. Of course, yeah. And they are talking about it. This is what I think maybe like, I don't know. I mean, both of you guys are hardcore comic book fans. I don't really have a, a horse in that race. But I'd be curious, what do both of you think that the conversation around superheroes really is through the lens of Disney? That's Because that's the vast majority of the public will talk about superheroes and that kind of superhero canon because we talk about canon on the show every now and again through the lens of Dizzy. I'm curious what, what you and Baruch think of that. What do you, what do you mean by that? I'm, I'm a little lost there. Yes, well, think know. of it this way. Um, clearly, at least I'm going to assume, that comic book, the way you read your comic books, the, the comic books have this like rich canon that goes back several decades. Sure. And now it's basically been, to, not to a drastic extent, but re-envisioned in a way through the lens of Disney. And, and, and Marvel Studios. So, certainly different from the way it was described, or at least comic book fans would talk about 15, 20 years ago. And I'm curious, from your perspective, from, from the fans' perspective, the hardcore comic book fans' perspective, does that bother you guys at all? Does that does that change the way you look at these things? I mean, I think it certainly had an impact, and I, I can't go back as far as Baruch does in this, but, you know, honestly, a lot of that was coming, was coming even before Disney. I mean, you know... It's one of the, it's one of those like y- you can't win for trying. You've got the hardcore fans who get pissed off when you when you decide like oh we're gonna renumber we're gonna re envision we're gonna redirect. But then you can't bring then you have the new fans that are like I don't want to read 500 issues of Avengers to understand what's going on. So you're you're fucked if no matter what what direction you go. And I think you know I mean DC tried it, Marvel's tried it. Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't seem to matter that Disney involved or not. Comic book companies, especially the actual like publishers, are, are grasping at straws to keep the industry relevant especially when their intellectual property is so popular that, you know, they're, they're just kind of fumble-fucking their way through a lot of shit. Uh, Baruch, what do you think? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I Yeah, I, <laughs> I would like to answer it with, like, a really smart answer, but honestly, all I can say is, I don't know. <laughs> Bang your head Good against enough. your desk a few times and try again. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it. <laughs> I, I would just... It's a it, to me. I just be it's a curiosity. I'd be curious to see what what happens. So I I could explain. Like I, I think this is part partly. I think I think you had you were heading in this direction partly with the, the way you words worded the question. But like how people talk about comic books, right? You were mm-hmm. um or the characters, the stories, or how I, I think, how these characters exist in the consciousness of the major mainstream public will be seen through the lens of Disney. Uh, how can we make this guy make more money? <laughs> 
how can we make him more uh, he or she more relevant how can we make this character have less sex appeal but also just as sexy i guess i don't know all right let's take power girl let's get rid of her little boob flap and then give her pants but let's also make her not as powerful so Mm. now she's not power girl she's just a girl without a boob flap without a boob flap yeah that's it that's really that's i got nothing dude that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) no sure just don't take the blue boob flap out all right uh, moving on. So let's talk about this is interesting. Uh, jury sides with San Diego Comic Con trademark battle. This is also recent. Jury on Friday sided with San Diego Comic Con in court battle with pop with rival pop culture convention in Utah over rights of the phrase Comic Con. This is reported from the Hollywood Reporter, December eighth. The panel decided that the Salt Lake City Comic Con used the trademark phrase without permission, though it didn't do so willfully. The panel awarded the San Diego event 20000 far less than the $12 million with an M it had sought. Quote, from the beginning, all that we asked the defendants was to stop using our Comic-Con trademarks, end quote. The San Diego Comic Convention said in a statement, quote, today we obtained a verdict that will allow us to achieve this. Uh, otherwise, uh, in response, quote, from the standpoint of the people out there, Comic-Con is generic. This was a lawyer for the Salt Lake City Comic-Con attorney's name was Michael Katz. Claim was that the Utah convention wasn't hurting the thriving San Diego brand and less than 1% of San Diego Comic-Con attendees have been confused about whether the two events are affiliated. So this is this is now, Andrew. You said there was there were some shenanigans on the part of Utah that have haven't been mentioned in this article. What was what was that? Um, it's one of those. I think it goes back several years. Where like Salt Lake City was trying to like do kind of stealthy advertising for their event at San Diego. I haven't seen a whole lot of like. Mm real specifics i heard them alluding to something having to do with cars like around the parking lot or something but i haven't i haven't found like like real like hard fast details but from what i understand like that's the kind of the first thing that got san diego san diego kind of like looking at these guys because i mean there's a lot of conventions who use that specific spelling of comic con which is comic space con oh yes because there's there's a number of other conventions that use comic hyphen con or will use comic-con all one word with the shared c in the middle Mm -hmm. though apparently all of those are kind of covered by the trademark which there's actually i think a separate legal legal fight as to whether or not san diego's trademark of that should be even even be rescinded because it is so common yeah it is a common use thing and the first uses actually have of the of that phrase and i can't remember where the fuck i found this but the first uses of that actually um have no connection to san diego whatsoever yeah actually did, did we talk about this or did you mention this or was that somebody else who was telling that no that wasn't that wasn't me because for me i i was uh i thought it was it came from there too mm-hmm. uh because that was the first place i had ever went to and all the other conventions at the time that i was going to aside from comic-con um they didn't really have comic-con or the name they're always something different and always something interesting and then like i said that major boom where all these comic you know nerd stuff became popular and then i found the phrase comic-con being used many other places so for me i always thought it was the same yeah i thought it was i always thought comic-con was originated there see for me when i started going to the conventions in 2006 or 7 i just felt that the word comic-con was a ubiquitous phrase for all of them and the distinction was their location right and I didn't know at the time, certainly, who owned what. And only with a little bit of digging, you find out that Wizard World owns a certain bunch of them. Comic-Con International, which is like the parent company that runs San Diego Comic-Con, runs one. 
The New York Comic Book Convention, whatever you want to call that now, is owned by a different company. Yeah, Reed Pop owns about a half dozen of them. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of those. I never treated, I never thought of it as a copyright. But let's just say, for example, if it is, and they do have it copyrighted, it seems like an open and shut legal case. What I'm more interested in is what you brought up, Andrew, is that can they even copyright a phrase that I certainly thought was entirely ubiquitous? That's the one I've be more curious and i think that's the bigger the right. bigger fish to fry than poor little salt lake city poor mormons <laughs> freaking mormons yeah um yeah i mean at least currently they do legally have the trademark to it but i i do believe there is a separate legal battle uh looking to have that trademark revoked oh cool all right we're gonna we're gonna follow that we'll, we'll dig that one up and we'll, we'll give you updates on this okay so moving right along this is something that i as a Star Trek fan went nuts over, and I believe Andrew's blood is boiling as we speak. I almost thought this headline was a joke. I, I could not believe it was real. Headline, Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek will be rated R. Revenants, Mark L. Smith, front writer described. Now, this is from the S December 7th uh, deadline, and, and it's basically just that. Uh, Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino of Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Django Unchained, and a, a or just Django, I think it's just Django, uh, and a number of other films is in talks to direct the next, I believe, Kelvin timeline, maybe Kelvin timeline Star Trek movie uh, that is being produced by by J.J. Abrams. So what I've heard from is just. Tarantino has expressed a desire to do so, and if he did, it would be rated R. I have not right. heard anything saying that he is actually going to do this. I think fans Correct. have now latched on to it. So that's the thing is the, the headline makes it sound like it's going to happen. Right. And I still am skeptical as you are that it's going because basically the first sentence is after deadline this week revealed that Quentin Tarantino pitched a Star Wars film to J.J. Abrams and Paramount. The whole the whole thing is moving at warp speed. Tarantino met for hours in the writer's room with Mark L. Smith, Lindsay Bear and Drew, I guess, Pierce. They kicked around ideas and one of them will get the job. So what's interesting about this is I'm holding out hope, certainly, because I'd be interested in seeing this, but discussions of Tarantino taking over or becoming a part of a major franchise are not new. I can think of about 15 years ago before the Daniel Craig's uh, era of Bond. Oh, that I do Tarantino remember was, that. Right, was in discussion to actually do Casino Royale. Um, that didn't come to fruition, so this is why I'm still skeptical, but I'd be really interested to see what he does, because if I remember correctly, he is a big Star Trek fan Tarantino is I've see, heard I, him talk about it I think this would be an amazing thing to watch is what I, I don't know if you guys can agree with me on this but I think Quentin Tarantino uh, Quentin does something amazing with his movies and it's talking mm -hmm. and a lot of Star Trek is negotiation talking and the conflict within well talking <laughs> the debate between, yeah, between within, people right yeah that's like his strength mm -hmm. i am ecstatic to see this if this comes out because I, I i personally really 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 love in movies and same thing in theater uh his characters talking like mm -hmm. i did that something about that is just so interesting is is people debating character I, I, that's where that, that's where the true character comes out is when they're talking to each other so i'm excited to see what if if people say, <laughs> agree with me on this so go sorry i was i think tarantino does well with talking for, for, i mean for one his you know his, his movies have a very distinct style both in in their dialogue and their and their filming but i think his characters don't don't do as well in period pieces so i don't think i think 
science fiction in the future would he would struggle with. I mean, he, you know, he relies heavily on pop culture references and things like that in his films. I mean, like Reservoir Dogs is great. Pulp Fiction is, is spectacular. Jackie Brown is amazing. But like um, Django, I enjoyed, but I wasn't impressed with the dialogue. And um, what's the fucking World War II one? Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards, I thought was a fucking disaster. Like it was a yeah. fucking mess. Uh, yeah. I didn't see Hateful Eight, so I can't I can't judge on that. I loved Hateful Eight. See, I really liked Inglorious Bastards as well. Did you? Interesting. Yeah, I really did. I like. Okay, I love see, the... I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I think I, it's got uh, potential, it's, but sure. I mean, and the thing is. If he has another writer working with him, I think he's actually a strong, he's a stronger uh, creative type because the early movies, uh, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction, even if you want to throw in True Romance, really benefited from him working with Roger Avery. And his movies that came after the Avery period were still fun. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the Kill Bill movies. I really enjoyed Django Unchained. I actually agree with you. I really enjoyed Hateful Eight. I agree with you that Inglorious Bastards was a mess and I was left really wanting from death proof i thought that was that wasn't really good either but and I thought, hateful it was okay even with a few problems to it so i'd be curious to see if this move forward and i actually do i didn't think of it the way baruch does it he does do dialogue well and star trek is much more of a conflict moral negotiation what's going to happen we're in this conundrum how do we talk our way out of it and occasionally we shoot stuff and i'm actually in the middle of re-watching the, the original series and loving it. So I'm actually really interested if this happens. However, if you guys listen to our episode on The Death of Superman Lives, one of the fucking lessons we took from that documentary that is that when high-powered directors get a hold of a big-time franchise, that is a recipe to send it into developmental hell. So while I am interested in seeing what, what he could produce, and at this point, in my opinion, it cannot be worse than the previous three Star Trek Kelvin films. They just think... It can't be. It really it can only go up from beyond. Although I did kind of like Into Darkness. I know no one else did. Uh, I'd be curious to see. But if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that this doesn't happen. I'm betting this I, doesn't I would happen. agree. I would, I would, whether we want it to or not, I would. I think you'd, you'd make some money and bet that it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, other than that, real quick, do you want to go over some trailers? Avengers trailers dropped. Jurassic World trailer dropped. Ready Player One trailer dropped. And kind of the big one for me, Alita Battle Angel. I, I used to call it Battle Angel Alita, and I thought it would have been sounded cooler if it were battle angel alita i think alita battle angel sounds backwards but i'm dyslexic who cares i, I, I think i think they're putting like a little what are those called the semicolon so it's alita it's semicolon, semicolon. or you could do like the the yahtzee thing where anytime a, so, a semicolon comes in you go so it's, <laughs> it's so, alita battle angel <laughs> so i gotta look at all these trailers the avengers trailer admittedly looks epic it's gonna make a whole bunch of money and they know how to advertise villains dc pay attention right jurassic world looks stupid but it's gonna be fun it has dinosaurs in it and ready lava player one and lava with dinosaurs ready player one this looks like it'd be fun i'm i, I don't know the book i'm so, cautiously optimistic and battle angel alita i'll fucking see it I, it's so freaking weird looking i'm gonna see that so what'd you guys think i'm excited for avengers infinity war that you're, you're right they did a great job of of advertising thanos i mean for yep. one they've been doing it for 17 goddamn movies this so is they, also true they better not fuck this up <laughs> It's been 10 goddamn years. If you guys fuck this up, I'm going to come and take a piece out of the fucking mouse's ass. Um, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get to the front gate before the guys with nightsticks are beating my ass like Rodney King. But And they will um, be wearing mouse ears as they do it. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, make squeaky sounds every time they hit. <laughs> 
the, the nightsticks have squeakers in them. Oh, God. Um, yeah, Jurassic World looks epically dumb, but it, it'll be entertaining. To, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. There's dinosaurs in lava. <laughs> I know, dude. And the dinosaurs look pretty good. Yeah, they do. Have you have you guys have you guys read any of like the comments on any of the trailers for uh, Jurassic uh, Jurassic World? Yeah, Jurassic I'm World. Looking at no. them right now. Uh, cool. I love dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay, no my favorite how ones. How silly the concept may be, there will always be a soft, sentimental, supportive spot in my heart for these Jurassic Park slash World movies. Yeah. See, okay, have have you found? Park two. My favorite come up. My favorite comments are the ones that are like, "I'm gonna cry when the dinosaurs die." Oh no! <laughs> like, I was just finding threads of people crying about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Like they're not re- they've been dead for years oh uh, yeah <laughs> if you're if you're if you're gonna cry over the dinosaurs you're watching the wrong fucking movies yeah, i think so <laughs> uh yeah uh ready player one so i, I just finished re- re-listening to the book because I've, I've read it and then i listened to it on audiobook and i mean it's a fucking great story it's one of those i think there's a lot of potential for them to screw it up and oh, it, that's, it's that's, it's, yeah. it's gonna be tough with just so much intellectual property dumped into that movie mm-hmm. because i mean effectively the movie is one giant fucking 80s reference mm-hmm. <laughs> so if it's if if they if they get it right it'll be spectacular if they do anything but if they fall short in any way i think it's gonna i think it's gonna slam into a wall at about a thousand miles an hour see i actually have the exact same feeling and i'm glad you brought it up because i watched it i went all right that was okay but i wasn't sold on it you know i mean i'm watching it as a non someone who hasn't read the book i was not sold on what i was watching i was like yeah i had the same feeling like this because let's be i'll be fair spielberg's last couple outings were not impressive no and i really wanted them to be i really wanted you were really like you wanted the bfg to be good i really did and it wasn't (laughs) it objectively was crap which one did you want did you really want to be good bfg big big friendly giant oh bfg yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought Bridge of Spies was stupid. Uh, and I know a few people disagree with me on that one. I just, it, to me, it was so unmemorable. But, Brooke, you had an interesting attachment to Ready Player One. So, I own the book, never read it. There's most of the books I own. Um, but I, I understand the, the, oh, it's also my girlfriend's dad's favorite book. Like, uh, him and I were talking about it, and he told me, he's like, listen, if you don't finish this book by the end of this year, not only am I going to kick your ass, you're not allowed to date my daughter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're running out of time, but thankfully it's a short book. Yeah. <laughs> if this were George R. R. Martin, kiss kiss your ass goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but but I know that the premise is basically kind of a, a reference to one of my favorite video games, which is Adventure for the Atari 2600 or uh, yeah, 2600. Yep. Because um, that video game was one of the first games to ever have an Easter egg in it, and then was followed, from my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, was followed with E.T. also having the most references. So I really like Adventure, and I know that this film and book is all about hunting for the Easter egg. Yeah. Um. So I'm excited. I really want to watch it, and I really get better get <laughs> better get to reading that book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, so I started reading about two years ago. I got fed up because I, like, I was actually reading George R. R. Martin, and I got fed up. With with fucking 1200 page books so i started reading a bunch of short stuff like i think i put my i think i put my max at like 350 pages and this is one of the first ones that came up and it was just spectacular mm. like it's one of the best books i've ever read damn yeah because it's, so it's like short sweet and to the point right yeah it's 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 a it's a real tight narrative the characters are really well developed yeah i mean you don't spend a whole lot of time fucking around like george r, r. martin or <laughs> I, mean, I mean just like a, like a lot of fantasy 
fantasy science fiction where they're like, we're going to build a world. And you spend the next three fucking books trying to find figure out the world. And it's like, just tell me the goddamn story. I agree with you that if, if it's if you're 300, you're below, below 350 and below 300. I'm yeah, I will. I will sit down and give it a shot. I haven't sat down and read anything recently because Star Trek Online has dominated my evenings like totally. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I'm, you have to you have to hit that 300 page mark is pretty much the sweet spot. I haven't I haven't read anything in a anything like that in a little while. Actually, it's not true. I just finished um, Andy Weir's second book, Artemis, mm. which which was again which, again fell in that same thing. I mean, there were a number of books I read at, at the same time. It was um, Ready Player One, The Martian, uh, Red Shirts by John Scalzi, and like all of them were really good because it was like all right, here's you know 250 to 350 pages and nice direct to the to the point story. Mm. So the other one is Alita which is based on an anime that I haven't watched. I think I've known about it for a while. I want to get into it. I think it looks gorgeous. I like the fact that Alita actually looks like an anime character, which I don't know how audiences will respond to her because she just looks a little strange in real life. Like, you know, when you see those, what would Simpson characters look like in real life? And they're horrifying. Right. Hyper-realistic. Um, <laughs> yeah, Alita's a little freaky. Uh, she's a little scary, but I, I like it. I'm glad to see that somebody decided to dig up and resurrect Jennifer Connelly's career. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think she's great, and I'm glad, I'm glad to see her back working. Uh, this this could be really cool. This could be really, really cool. Is it going to be Avatar, like, in terms of size? Because the reason why I say that is, while Cameron was making Avatar, Alita was always in the background, in the discussions about Avatar, that this was the movie he had been making since, like, 2000 in his head. And it's amazing to me that Rodriguez, Tarantino's buddy, is is making this. Uh, I don't know how the audiences are going to re- respond to this, because we've talked about this a million times. This is why I'm fascinated by it. It's anime, which usually fails miserably in American audiences, partially because it's not done well, but primarily, I think, because American audiences don't give a spit about anime at all. Yeah, but I'm... at the same time, it's got Cameron, and it's got Rodriguez, and this looks slick. This looks slick. Yeah. God, this looks good. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, I mean, point out a live-action film based on anime that has done fucking anything. Exactly, yes, I mean, yes, exactly. I mean, Ghost in the Shell looked good when it was, and it was not good. Nope. I didn't even watch it. No. I didn't yeah. even watch it. Yeah, yeah and I've, I've had friends talk to me about this. It's like, you, he, he, his, his golden rule is you do not greenlight anime or manga films. You just don't well, do Well, um, hold up. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Edge of Tomorrow. Wasn't didn't that do at least good? No, that's no, what people good? forget. It didn't do well. It did okay, no. but it, it didn't okay. do okay. well. Okay. It actually, I think it lost money, if I'm not mistaken. I, I have to go look All back right. up. But but you're you're not the only one who brings up Edge of Tomorrow. Aside from it being dumb, it didn't do as well as people thought it did. There was also that was also one where like they had some other issues with like it uh they went through like four fucking titles on that one like right before release correct that was also a problem it was yeah the, the advertising for that was super confusing yeah like john but, carter bad yeah man and i thought oh, damn i wanted that movie to be good wasn't all right Andrew, got anything else for us? Um, not for the new stuff. There's a couple things, you know, year in review, like we mentioned, I think are, that are worth pointing out. We already talked about the San Diego Comic-Con, Salt Lake City Comic-Con. Um, there was another fairly substantial legal battle that we were following for quite a while that wrapped uh, up at the yes. beginning of the that wrapped up at the beginning of the year, which was the lawsuit involving Star Trek Axanar. Mm, and the, the fact- sad, sad death of Axanar. Yeah, and the fact that basically Axanar got shut down pretty fucking hard. Hard, and we, now that Star Trek Discovery is out, and I'll admit I am in the middle of a Star Trek kick, but I'm not watching Discovery. Um, Discovery takes place basically in the in the same time frame or s- close time frame to 
what Axnar was covering, and they didn't want that out there. That was just it. They just they just crushed it, I, and I felt bad. I, I also and then I, the weird rules that came out. Ugh, I just felt well, terrible. I think they also stepped on a, on on toes a little bit with with the amount of money they were they were raising. You know, the, the like the idea behind fan films is that it's you know low budget stuff that people do and and slap up on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think Axnar was really just kind of like pushing CBS Paramount's tolerance of that oh it certainly was i've not i, I watched the uh prelude to axonar short i was like god they could make it look like this for 90 minutes i will watch it sure it looked really great i w- and i feel bad because i wish we could have more of that and more now that i'm in like this new star trek phase at the end of the year i just want more but yeah that basically it is no more Oof. yeah so that was a, that was a big one and i think that story the San Diego Comic Con story, and then the, the next one I've got kind of coupled together is is really what made me say it was a it, it was a rough year for fans. Uh, although Baruch's you know, every year's rough, um, and that is I stand by that by the way. I I mean you're not wrong. Let's just let's be honest. It, every year is worse than the last, is what happens. <laughs> like we keep doing this to ourselves, mostly because we hate ourselves uh, and we feel we need to be punished. Is what ha- is what really is. Yeah, that's basically it's severely masochistic for me when I go see these things. Yeah. But the last one is the deranged fan at Phoenix Comic Con who was arrested with several firearms and stabbing implements who was there on a mission to murder the the Green Power Ranger. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting when... when this... Why pick on the one dude who actually is a trained martial artist? Right, he's he going to beat the... He, 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 he wanted to prove himself. He's like, man, he can fight in a movie, but he can't fight a bullet, and then... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's also probably some, you know, so, some issues where, you know, insecurity about, you know penis size and things like that and <laughs> assuming that you know he gets all the all the all the chicks uh which our friend jessa will attest to is not the case he's the green power ranger so right but he does probably pull some puss yeah it will be interesting to see how this affects conventions when we actually get into convention season starting march ish mm-hmm. i mean you know at this point there are conventions running year round but the real heavy convention season doesn't doesn't really start to pick up until about march when the weather starts starts being somewhat less shitty right yeah and i'll be I'll, I'll be curious to see um what i actually found interesting is that the convention itself the people who organize the convention are not the ones who dictate the security requirements mm-hmm. um the the guy who runs phoenix comic-con after this obviously they put up some some very serious security uh measures i mean the net in in you know 18 hours it was really kind of impressive what they were able to pull off just from a logistics standpoint but uh you know watching that afterwards the guy came out and said hey you know this is kind of how things work and this is what's going on and he basically said look we don't dictate the security arrangements it is the facility it is the convention center itself that re- that has the requirements in conjunction with local police right so it's going to be interesting to see what shows end up doing i, I mean i think local sh- small local shows like tidewater comic-con it's not going to have an effect or the one here what is it brooke we were talking about earlier socal fest or socal comic-con uh there's actually a few of them there's uh comic vest which is actually created by the same people who created comic-con they wanted to get back into like comics and fans and creating an intimate you know space for fans to talk with the creators so comic fest i don't think comic fest is getting hurt because i don't think anyone knows about comic fest and then there's a socal comic-con uh which is a little bit bigger um well it's actually smaller but more people go to it um i think they might be getting hit (laughs) yeah but i think i mean there's you know I mean, things like San Diego, New York, Emerald City, Baltimore, like a lot of, I mean, and obviously Phoenix, like Phoenix is Mm going to be, I've got a lot of friends who, who go to Phoenix. Like I grew up there and it's going to be rough getting through Phoenix this year. Yeah. Like I I know several people who 
actually um, an ex-girlfriend of mine uh, went to go see uh, Jason David Frank uh, the next day. I mean, she was out, she was in line for like four hours trying to get into the facility. Jeez. She was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, kind of a rough year. We'll have to see what, what next year holds. Like Bruce, you know, alluded to, it's probably going to be shittier than this year. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe the powers that be will smile on us. I feel like you got to be able to go up. I mean, I well, enjoyed well, 2015. I thought 2015 was a good year. That's the year Sicario came out. That shit was pretty dope. There was, 2015 was all right. 2016 was... Yeah, 2018's gonna be okay. I'm just gonna tell myself that. Well, I like say, a year from now, I'm gonna be saying, hey, 2018 will be okay. You got two weeks left. It'll be, it'll be good." Uh, yeah, actually, the last thing I've got to to prove that 2018 was kind of a, or 2017 was kind of a clusterfuck for for the nerd community was there were a lot of high profile deaths. Oh, oh before God. you get into that, not only that, when you just mentioned clusterfuck, guess what popped in my head? What? Marvel's whole handling of their fans and their distributors putting fucking comic books out. That they had fairly and speaking oh, of comic yeah. books, they had high profile spats with their fans and and the and the in the comic book store owners that was just a mess. Marvel just spent like basically 2017 walking around asking people to punch them in the dick. Yeah. That's basically what they did. And a few people went like straight <laughs> on like stop stop slice Stallone fucking punching bag shit. Oh yeah. I took Baruch to see a UFC 2 218 and we saw the uppercut that sent a dude into orbit and <laughs> that that punch isn't as hard as marvel got hit in the dick with this year they just yeah. look terrible hopefully and next, even, hopefully next year will be better i'm hoping next year will be better it doesn't look like it because if you look at so marvel replaced its uh editor-in-chief and then about four days later it came out that the editor that person went about 10 years ago was um masquerading as or using a japanese pseudonym to write comics that marvel was trying to trying to sell sell as authentically japanese (laughs) which which there are two problems with this one aside from the white guy trying to be japanese one is that later the same guy was in charge of Marvel's uh, recruiting efforts, so bringing in new creators. And two, it's not like the Japanese culture doesn't already have a strong comic book culture, right? Like there are, th- <laughs> there are <laughs> like there are legitimately <laughs> Japanese comic artists you can go get. Like that's the that's the part that blew my mind. It's not like you, you know. know what reminds me, I'm not. It it's not like that... I'm I'm looking in Indonesia or something. You know, somewhere that doesn't right. really have a comics industry. Japan's got like the second biggest fucking comic industry. That shouldn't it have been hard. Me, it reminds me of that episode of South Park where you find out the dude who runs Shitty Walk is actually a white dude just pretending to be Chinese. <laughs> that's basically it's like, oh, why go to Shitty Walk? Oh, please. Like that's basically what Marvel did with right. their comics. No, basically. And now this guy's editor in chief. I was like, well, con- <laughs> congratulations. Spend, go ahead and spend the next month removing your foot from your fucking mouth. Oh, man. And w- it, while you're doing... I do- thought the federal government was fuck up, move up. Nope, Marvel no, too. No, no. <laughs> All right, so so, so we on, are we on to high-profile deaths? Uh, people dying. Let's talk about people dying. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run the list, and then we can we can comment anywhere we feel like it. Well, it'll just groan as it goes along. Yeah. Adam West, Harry, De- Harry Dean Stanton. I cried a little bit. Who, by the I way, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton, who, who we should all remember, was like the first dude who got killed in Alien. I mean, technically, the, never... technically the second. Oh, it's true. And right, and so. and and I like to point out first? the first one was was John Hurt, who also died this year. Who also died this year? Who dies in everything? Yes, he does. Even when he was a freaking bunny in Watership Down, he died. Yep, he he's just a good dying die. actor, man. He, he just, he, him he, and Sean Bean just die. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like nobody takes a punch like Harrison Ford. Nobody dies like Sean Bean and John Hurt. Yeah, and but you know, and John Hurt, by the way, is a fabulous actor. If you look back at like his impact in like nerd cinema. 
I mean, this guy was everything from, you know, the dude who died in Alien to Winston Smith in the 1984 release of 1984 to the freaking bad guy in V for Vendetta, which is actually fairly ironic. Like, he's yeah. all over the place. No, and, and again, very talented actor. George Romero. Oh, my God. What a legend. Yeah. Part of me, like, I really like the zombie films, the Romero films. They're great. And I, I, I think like many of us here, we like zombie. Fi- There's just too many of them now. Yes, I agree. Stop. Walking my, my, Dead is overrated. Stop. My uh, my grandfather was actually good friends with Romero. Was he? Before, yeah. Uh, my mother actually uh, stayed in their house for a few months when she was younger, because she was too young. She didn't know like what was like who they were, what was going on. But like she was like, oh, I know that man. We used to stay in his house. Like when I would have like <laughs> when we watching like documentaries <laughs> and stuff. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. So, uh, Lisa Spoonauer. Who's Lisa Spoonauer? She Remind was me. the girlfriend in. Clerks. Oh yes. Not Wait, not much not much of a career. Or I'm sorry, not the girlfriend. She was the the ex girlfriend the ex girlfriend that he got oh. he got back together with. That Dante got back together him. with. Did we lose Baruch? No, he still did we? Baruch. Uh, did Baruch just die? I don't know. Did he? Hold on. I'll get a hold. <laughs> we were doing so well. You're did I die? Great. What happened? You did. You're back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's exactly what I asked. Like, did Baruch just die? <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like that commercial with the fucking gnome from Travelocity or whatever the stupid commercial it is. He plugs in a, an American outlet or an American plug into a European outlet and shocks. He's like, am I going to die? <laughs> I do remember that. That was actually pretty funny. Love that. Him and the Chinese chicken guy. All right, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she was, she was the ex-girlfriend that uh, Dante got back together with in Clerks. Right. Uh, Roger Moore. So, James Bond. Uh, one of. The greatest Bond, yeah. Bill Pax. In. The tornado was, and 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 another guy get who got killed by alien <laughs> once again. Yep. The aliens claim another one. Uh, Richard Hatch, uh, Battlestar Galactica fame, and would have been Axanar. Yep. Fucking par- Messiah Nakamura, who was the creator of Pac-Man. Oh, Pac-Man. that's sad. Haru Nakajima, who was the actor inside the original Godzilla costume. It's even sadder, man. The man in suit. Yep. There was no other. When you say the man in suit, that's who you're talking about. Yes. All the mm-hmm. others are just guys. In. There was one. That was the man in the suit. Yep. And then Len Wein, uh, comic book creator for Marvel. Very sad. Yeah, it was kind of a kind of a kind of a painful I'm year. Not familiar there. with his so. When did you guys say he, he didn't he do a Wolverine? You were saying. Yeah, he sure. he in Swamp Thing. Yeah, Wolverine Swamp Thing. Um, he was an editor at Marvel for a long time. I can't, and he I, was not. Was he old? No. Uh, mid 60s. Uh, yeah, he was not not that old. Oh yeah. my god! I think I have like an ass load of comics from him. <laughs> oh yeah, if you go look him up online, you probably do. Yeah. Like I like I was blown away by the stuff that that he did. That I'm like, oh shit, I have that, and I forgot he did that and that and that and yeah. So all right, dude. I think that's all I've got. So do you have anything right. else? No, that's it for me. I think just over the last couple of weeks, I've been just dominant. My entire life has been dominated by Star Trek. Like. Just no joke. Star Trek Online, finished Star Trek Next Generation, went back to watch Star Trek, the original series, which I'm really liking. I had not watched it in a really long time. Like, I would watch it on reruns on television when I was a kid. Don't remember much of it at all. I'm picking up on episodes that I remember bits and pieces of, and in the full context, even even the early seasons, they're really enjoyable. The fir- so they kind of repeat the same theme every now and again, but they're really enjoyable. The first couple episodes are a little tough to get through, but once you're through those, yeah, the, se- the, the show gets better. The show finds finds its footing and kind of if it finally hits on like the things that we've come to know as Star Trek. Yeah, I just, and what I like about it is that it reminds me more of Twilight Zone episodes than like Next Gen and, and Deep Space Nine. Oh, I'm sure the, the tone is so different, and the, and the problems they encounter are so different. 
like the Charlie X episode with the kid with the mental powers, which I know is not narrowing it down because every third episode of Star <laughs> Trek had a guy with mental powers, right. is almost identical to the kid in the Twilight Zone episode who was sending people into the cornfield. It, but it's still great. It's still, it's still great. I'm really, yeah. really. And the women, holy shit, they are so cute in this show. <laughs> they are so Yeoman Rand. Cute. Yeoman is cute, but then they bring in these guest stars who are adorable. The android girl in the blue and the green. Oh, so cute. The Romulan. Uh, have you gotten to the the Romulan commander yet? We just finished the Balance of Terror, so we haven't seen the girl yet. Um, oh, Balance of Terror is a fucking spectacular episode. It's great. It's great. Yeah, there's some. Dude, the, even early basically, on, basically, it's an old summer. It's like an old submarine film. Yeah, it's very much like uh, the Enemy Below. That film, the Enemy Below. It's really, really fantastic. Um, I did see Star Wars last night. And I know you did the podcast, and I did want to mention, I mean, I hated the film, but here's how my opinion doesn't matter. Box Office Mojo is saying oh, yeah. it was $220 <laughs> million this weekend. So I hated almost every minute of that film, but my opinion doesn't matter. Yeah, I was, was going to say, they earned, more, they earned more than a million dollars for every minute that you hated. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, that movie was long. But hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So that's it. That's really it for me. Mark Mark Hamill actually hated this Star Wars film. Uh, he won't, he, he, stayed, he said that he's just like, he's like, it was one of the long Star Wars films and it's not his story anymore and he doesn't you know he's kind of glad he's just handing it off um and then in the late case with him and Ford seem to feel the same way I guess I have to look that up I haven't seen that I, 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 I'll send you guys the video but it was it was funny because uh Mark but, Hamill uh, was just talking about paycheck well yes I just say that <laughs> but um he was talking about like uh, movies don't have to be good they just have to make money and he was going on this rant about like Transformers Transformer <laughs> movies are terrible but he and then like at the end of it he goes oh my god I just realized I'm on camera and all of this is recorded <laughs> I have to see this I'll send it to you. I was crying laughing. It was so good. Nice. Uh, Berg, Berg, what have you, you been into? What have I been into? Yeah. Okay, so I I just dropped 800 bucks, and I shouldn't have, but I bought an Xbox One, and I bought uh, a Switch, and I've been playing the games I've been wanting to play. Um, oh, did you have dropped 800 bucks after you dropped the 400 on the Switch, or is this 800 total now? 800 total. Because I was with, I was there right after you bought the Switch. Let me tell you, folks, he was distraught. Like, he was <laughs> like, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, but I have a Switch. So I'm kind of okay. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> like he was, he was at. Well, I don't know if it was Simpsons or South Park, where some guy is playing video games and he's homeless. Like, oh, let me play a game just for a meal. Let me play a game for a meal. Like that's where he was. He was a week away from that. Oh my god. <laughs> Nice. I, I I don't know why I did it. I just saw the switch and it's like they're a little cheaper now. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll buy one. So, I, I, so so I keep buying video game systems anytime I have bad experiences with women, and and which is you know telling because I haven't bought a, a video game system in about three years. He's married. You gotta buy a switch, baby boy. Because <laughs> my God, <laughs> I have not talked to my girlfriend in two days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I recently got the lifetime subscription to Star Trek Online, and then I, I told my girlfriend how much it cost, and she had that moment, you ever, in South Park, where Stan, like, just kind of puts his hands on his hands, oh my god, I don't, I don't want to hear this anymore, I don't. <laughs> Don't. Ah, like it's I mean, I mean, to be fair, it's a better idea for your girlfriend not to talk to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. But now I have a dreadnought with uh, an Enterprise D with three warp nacelles, and I don't give a fuck. Yep. I, I I'm it's playing good, Breath. Of, I'm oh, playing God. Breath of the Wild, uh, Mario Odyssey, and Doom, and all three of those games are just amazing. Oh my God, just 
I I have not talked to my girlfriend in two days, and it's so good they are. I just I'm not I'm just not gonna call her. It's fine. She can she can do her own thing for a little bit. I actually just traded in a bunch of uh, PS2 and PS3 games because my PS3 is dead as a fucking doornail. Um, nice. And I think I'm gonna try and get either um, a Switch is what you should be getting. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I didn't get that much in that much in trade so like i so i walked in, it was a, a local video game shop that does uh like vintage stuff and i'm like okay you know, let's just see what i can get I'm like i figured i honest to god i walked in with about 30 games and i figured i was gonna get 10 bucks because i mean most of the games i had were shit i was like all right i'm gonna be happy with 10 20 bucks is a victory and i walked out with 43 and i was fucking ecstatic <laughs> so i got 43 bucks in credit and i got some other stuff to, to trade in too so hopefully I can get like a, a you know a, a new uh, Xbox One game and, and just kind of go from there oh hold oh. up I'm just real quick um, so I was just glancing through the box office mojo thing this is kind of funny rounding out the top five is Warner Brothers and DC Comics Justice League which pulled in an estimated 4.1 million as its domestic tomb is now just shy of 220 million. So Star Wars pulled in in four days. What Justice League has pulled in in four weeks. Correct. Oh my God. Correct. I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I was, oh I was no, no. Thank that. you for doing so. That that was worth it. Oh my God, that's so funny. Anyway, you know now sorry. that makes me want to send you the the. I don't know if you ever watched the the interview when um no, it was like a TV show where it was um Kevin Smith was talking to a few other people and Mark Hamill was there and Mark was really pissed at episode one, two, and three of Star Wars because the fight scenes when how they were. Handed lightsaber battles was all his idea. Did you ever watch this? No. You're gonna have to send me a lot of Mark Hamill videos right now. I I love Mark Hamill. Like I don't think people understand how much I love him as a, as like a performer, as an actor, as mm -hmm. a theatrical performer. Like I love him. Um, because he's got six characters, but he adds he just adds just a little bit of variety to them, and then completely changes them. And it's oh my god, my kid is trying to break into the room. Um, <laughs> he he was talking about how he was working on uh. Well, while he was working on Star Wars, I forget which film, but he was saying, like, he told uh, Lucas, like, give me one day to design a lightsaber battle one-handed. Trust me, I think this will look good. So he sat down with the choreographer, and they did a one-handed lightsaber thing, and they were jumping over each other, throwing lightsabers, and doing all this really cool stuff. And then, like, the mid-battle, one guy pulls out a dual blade, and they start going at it. And he, he was like, this is what we came up with. This looks really cool. And Lucas was like, no, they're, they're got to be like Excalibur. The swords are really heavy. Excalibur, remember. <laughs> And it's oh, like, man. no, dude, no. <laughs> and what? then when episode one comes out, it's like, no, they're light. They're lightsabers. The, the, the beams of light, so they're not heavy. They're not Excalibur, so they're doing flips and shit. So he was really pissed at that. <laughs> well, so I mean, if you, if you watch like the special features um, for Star Wars, I've got like a it came with one of the I think the DVD set was like a two and a half hour documentary on the making of Star Wars. Like Lucas wanted two hands, so so the guy who was the the stunt choreographer basically just took like Japanese like samurai moves and made them to made mo them more two-handed it was like so, so yeah like you do moves yeah you could absolutely do them one-handed because because that's how they were originally done you fuck <laughs> yeah it, uh actually I, I don't quote me on this it's been a little while since i've seen the videos but Mark even talked about wanting to explore Luke uh, exploring the Jedi. Because I, I do not quote me for this because I may be misremembering it. But I believe he was saying something along the lines of he was interested in seeing a Star Wars story where Luke is exploring every side of the Force. And when the characters meet up with them again, he has this, this belt of lightsaber hilts that he's collected from either killing Sith or dead Jedi in various colors. Kind of exploring the mythos and how he's also understanding the dark side. Because I don't believe... Because I, I think he was saying it doesn't believe he doesn't believe that you can fully 
dedicate your life to only one point of view if you haven't even explored the other or something like that. So once again, please don't quote me for that, but I remember hearing something along those lines. Well, I mean, and that, I thought that would be really cool to see. In a lot of ways, that's what they did with Luke in the expanded universe. Right, right, right. So, so it would be cool to see a movie about that. Yeah. But no. By the way, by the way, if you get a chance, see The Disaster Artist or Roman J. Israel Esquire. Like, little movies with good acting. I know we're... Please oh, see those. Those were really great. Oh, gosh, gosh, Did you gosh. see Roman J. Israel? I did. And how was it? It, it? it looked good, and I just hadn't had a chance to get out. And it's actually pretty good. I think the whole premise is that Denzel Washington plays a lawyer who's kind of autistic and is basically this legal wizard. And his partner is the litigator, but his partner has a heart attack, so now he's got to figure out what to do with the rest of his career. Right. And in a, in a moment of weakness, he breaks uh client what was it lawyer client confidentiality attorney, attorney client attorney, privilege yeah that thing and and it comes back to bite him in the ass hard but his performance is really 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 impressive good. he's really really good and a disaster artist based on the making of a movie of a terrible movie called the room which is so terrible it's fun to watch james i know you don't like james franco andrew but i will say his performance in this is good because it would be easy for him to parody tommy Wiseau, the guy he's playing because right. Wiseau is such a crazy person but it's amazing how he nailed the performance perfectly and did it with care and respect which, which I was, uh, that's why, that was without my main be, Without being a away. douche to, to Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, he, he really he was. Does, he does such a good job. And it, it my, so my girlfriend had actually never seen The Room. This is her first exposure to this. Um, she'd only ever heard me reference it and talk about it. You know, um, it's some, you know, oh, hi, Mark. She would hear me say garbage, garbage, dumbass shit like that. And she never really understood where it's from. So she watched this movie and was like, I don't know who Tommy Wiseau is, but that man is a fucking lunatic. And now she <laughs> needs to watch uh, The Room. Like See, she's I got dying. I got Donnell to watch it the afternoon before, like the morning we watched Disaster Artist, we watched it on YouTube because it's readily available. And she was like, I can't believe what I just watched. And then when we watched the movie, you could tell in the theater who were the people who saw the room and got it and who weren't because that's the laughter the laughter was in different parts of the audience yeah i i wish i could have experienced it like that because when i saw it there was only six people in the theater and one guy looked like he was going to blow up the fucking theater no joke <laughs> he was sitting in the theater with the big it was warm outside mind you so i was wearing shorts and everyone else is wearing like shorts and shit like that this guy was wearing long pants a thick jacket with a hood on and glasses and the the hoodie was puffed up on the inside so we were like like Jessica was like, I don't feel comfortable with him there. And I was like, I was like, I don't see anything wrong with him. And I look, I look at him again. I'm like, he's wearing glasses. He's has something heavy underneath that jacket. I'm a little spooped right now. He was jerking and then off. He, yeah, I, I, I like, he's think either, so. He's either beating it or he's he. You describe the exact appearance of the policeman of the police sketch artist rendition of the Unabomber. Yeah. It, it, no, it looked more like a Unabomber because when he gets up, his he was really top heavy, and you can clearly see he was he's carrying something, and he's kind of like running down the stairs, uh, and then leaves. So I follow him to see where he goes, and he just runs outside of the theater. Why would you follow him, you idiot? Well, I I, I was like, I want to see what he's doing, because this guy looks like he's either, he's gonna kill us all, and I just want to know. Famous last words. I want to see what he's <laughs> doing. Rick Guerrero. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with those being my fa my famous last words. Because they follow him, and he runs out the theater, and I go, uh oh. So I run back. I... <laughs> Other famous last words. No, because he no, I mean that when he's saying he's running, 
He was like, he wasn't like a sprint. Right, he was no, like fuck running, so, so, holding so, whatever. Right. He was holding. So what happened is he dropped the bomb, and Baruch ran out and left his girlfriend. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. But I'm not the bad guy in the situation. <laughs> she should have followed me. <laughs> but um, right. no. So I, I I see that, and I run back to his seat to see if there's anything. I totally look like the bad guy. I I'm not kidding. I totally look like the fucking bad guy. Right, but anyways, here. what? You're the villain here. I know I'm the villain. I was about to that's say, fine. great. This is gonna be another story of of dude going so. My friend got arrested. Right. Because we've got a couple of those, and they're always oh, yeah. ridiculous. Andrew, got anything for us? Uh, probably the big one is that I finished reading, like I mentioned earlier, Andy Weir's new book, Artemis. Uh, Andy Weir being the guy who wrote The Martian. Uh, his new books, yeah, I mentioned all Artemis. Um, book's pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. It's not like, it's not as good as the martian but again you know it's a nice 300 page story that i got through pretty quick and i enjoyed the story so we'll probably see the movie in about two two and a half years <laughs> yeah probably probably yeah okay oh can i leave a quick story about the the uh, sorry i went a little long with the last one can i go and leave a quick story on um the disaster artist this better be good yes oh actually i've heard this this is good yes that's why yeah, I, I know you've heard this because you were there for most of it but uh i had a panic attack after i watched well actually during watching the disaster artist uh because i just finished a film not too long ago uh about it was a low budget film um i think the guy said he spent like ten thousand something plus dollars on it and the director for it i i'm not like allowed to talk about the movie because i wrote like a i you know i signed the contract i'm not allowed to say anything else about it but it's a cyberpunk movie that takes place in like 1995 and um this guy built the whole set in his house right so we're working in this really kind of warm conditions it's kind of really uncomfortable um if i had met the director i, mean, I don't know if i'm allowed to say his name and i'm just gonna say his first name his name is chris if i would met chris in any other situation him and i would have been best friends but uh, we worked on the film and at certain points it got really cringy because this was his first time ever like making a movie so throughout this whole experience i have lost all drive to do any kind of performance and acting ever again <laughs> It was that cringy and that terrible. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of moments kind of bleed over into the movie The Disaster Artist. And throughout the entire movie of watching The Disaster Artist, I began to have a PTSD attack. I had, like, I was sweating. My palms were dripping sweat. My back was drenched. My underarms were just soaking wet and I was like I got up and the seat was wet and I checked like my heart rate with my phone and it was like uh like into the danger levels of like <laughs> of where your heart like his was. Kaiser Permanente app was saying you need to call an ambulance nice. <laughs> yeah it was terrible so if that counts for anything of how I guess I hate to say realistic but how uh, I guess approachable this film is how relatable it is Go watch The Disaster Artist because I think that was my favorite movie of 2017. Nice. So I just wanted to leave that. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog post and our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm the Duder. And I'm Baruch. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.